Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast, Being Black in America, where I tell you about a few individuals who have been, who have been killed because of the color of their skin. In this episode, I will be talking about Emmett Till, who was lynched on August 28th, 1955. So Emmett Till was born in 1941 in Chicago. He was the son of Mamie Carthen, 1921. He was born in 1921 and passed away in 2003. And his father, Louis Till, who was born in 1922 and passed away in 1945. Emmett's mother was born in the small Delta town of Webb, Mississippi. The Delta region encompasses a large multi-county area of northwestern Mississippi in the watershed of the Yazoo and the Mississippi rivers. When his mom was two years old, her family moved to Argo, Illinois as part of the great migration of rural black families of the south to the north to escape violence and the lack of opportunity and unequal treatment under the law. Auger received so many southern migrants that it was named Little Mississippi. Mamie's mother's name, mother's home was often used by other recent migrants as a way station while they were trying to find jobs and housing. Mississippi was the poorest state in the U.S. in the 1950s and the Delta counties were some of the poorest in Mississippi. Mamie Carthen, who is Emmett's mom, was born in Tallahatchie County with an average income per White household in 1949 was $600, $690, equivalent to $7,000 in 2016. For black families, the figure was $462, equivalent to $4,700 in 2016. In the rural areas, economic opportunities for blacks were almost non-existent. There are mostly sharecroppers who live on land owned by whites. Blacks had essentially been disenfranchised and excluded from voting and the political system since 1890 when the white dominated legislature passed a new constitution that raised barriers to voter registration. Whites had also passed ordinances establishing racial segregation and Jim Crow laws. Mamie largely raised Emma with her mother. She and Louis Till separated in 1942 after she discovered that he had been unfaithful. Louis later abused her, choking her to unconsciousness, to which she responded by throwing scalding water at him. For violating court orders to stay away from Mamie, Louis Till was forced by a judge in 1943 to choose between jail or enlisting in the U.S. Army. In 1945, a few weeks before his son's fourth birthday, he was executed for the rape and murder of an Italian woman. At the age of six, Emmett contracted polio, which left him with a persistent stutter. Mamie and Emmett moved to Detroit, where she met and married Pink Bradley in 1951. Emmett preferred living in Chicago, so he returned there to live with his grandmother, his mother, and stepfather, rejoining there that year. After the marriage ended in 1952, Pink Bradley returned alone to Detroit. 
So Manny Till Bradley, married name, and Emmett lived together in a busy neighborhood in Chicago's south side, near distant relatives. She began working as a civil civil clerk for the U.S. Air Force for a better salary. She recalled that Emmett was industrious enough to help with chores at home, although he sometimes got distracted. His mother remembered that he did not own his not know his own limitations at times. Following the separation between Emmett's mother and Pink Bradley, he visited Mommy and began to threaten her. At 11 years old, Emmett with a butcher knife in hand told Bradley he would kill him if the man did not leave. Usually, however, Emmett took with. Usually, however, Emmett was happy. He and his cousins and friends pulled pranks on each other. Emmett once took advantage of an unextended car when his friend fell asleep and placed their friends under one instead. And they also spent their free time in pick up baseball games. He was a naughty dresser and, and was often a center of attention among his peers. Wow. Wait, wait. Technical difficulties. Hold on, hold on. Everybody on I'm so sorry about that. Okay, so in 1950, Emmett was stocky and muscular. He weighed about 150 pounds and stood 5 feet 4 inches tall. Mimi Till, Brady's uncle, 64-year-old Mose, right, visited her and Emmett Till in Chicago during the summer and told Emmett stories about living in the Mississippi Delta. Emmett wanted to see for himself. Bradley was ready for a vacation and planned to take... I'm going to take Emmett with her on a trip to visit the relatives in Nebraska, but after he begged her to let him visit, right instead, she relented. Her own, okay, so Moses Wright plans to accompany Emmett with a cousin, Wheeler Parker, another cousin, Curtis Jones, will join them late, later. Wright was a sharecropper and part-time minister who was often called preacher. He lived in Money, Mississippi, a small town in the Dallas that consisted of three stores, a school, a post office, a cotton gin, and a few hundred residents, eight miles north of Greenwood. Before Emmett departed for the Delta, his mother cautioned him that Chicago and Mississippi were two different worlds and that she should know how to behave in front of whites in the South. He assured her that he understood. Statistics on lynchings began to be collected in 1982. Since that time, more than 500 African Americans have been killed by extrajudicial extra, extra violence in Mississippi alone and more than 3,000 across the South. Most of the incidents took place between 1876 and 1930, though far less common by the mid-1950s. These racially motivated murders still occurred. Throughout the South, whites publicly prohibited interracial relationships as a means to maintain white supremacy. Even the suggestion of sexual con- contact between black men and white women could carry severe penalties for black men. A resurgence of the enforcement of such Jim Crow laws 
was evident following World War II when African-American veterans started pressing for equal rights in the South. Racial tensions increased after, after the United States Supreme Court caused 1954 decision in the Brown vs. Board of Education to end segregation in public education, which it ruled as unconstitutional. Many segregationists get, yeah, get the water, get the water. Many segregationists believe the ruling would lead to interracial dating and marriage. White strongly resisted the court's ruling. One Virginia county closed all its public schools to prevent integration. Other jurisdictions simply ignored the ruling. In other ways, whites used stronger measures to keep blacks politically disenfranchised, which they had been since the turn of the century. Segregation in the South was used to constrain blacks forced free from any semblance of social equality. A week before Emmett arrived in Mississippi, a black activist named Lamar Smith was shot and killed in front of the county courthouse in Brookhaven for political organizing. Three white suspects were arrested, but they were soon released. Um, we know we're surprised that they were released. We're not surprised they were released. When you're white, you have your white privilege. If Lamar was white and he killed those individuals, he would have been in jail. He would have been in jail. But it's all about the color of your skin. Yeah, some all black people are bad. All black people are not bad. Till arrived in Money, Mississippi, on August twenty first, nineteen fifty five. On August 24th, he and cousin Curtis Jones skipped church where his great uncle Moore's right was preaching and joined some local boys as they went to Brian's grocery and meat market to buy candy. The teenagers were children of sharecroppers and had been picking cotton all day. The market mostly served the local sharecropper population and was owned by a white couple, 24-year-old Roy Bryant and his 21-year-old wife, Carolyn. Carolyn was alone in the front of the store that day. Her sister-in-law was in the rear of the store, watching children. Jones left till with the other boys while Jones played checkers across the street. The facts of lots of place in the store are still um, disputed. According to what Jones said at the time, the other boys reported that Till had a photograph and an integrated class at the school he attended in college. Um, and Emmett brought to the boys that the white children picture his friends. I, I, I don't believe that. Um, he pointed to a white girl in a picture or refers to a picture of a white girl that came with his new wallet and said she was his girlfriend and one of more of the local boys that <laughs> Emmett to speak to um, Bryant. However, writing a personal account of the incident in a book released in 2009, Emmett Till's cousin Simeon Wright who was also present, disputed June's version of what happened on that day. According to Wright, Till did not have a photo of a white girl in his wallet, nor did he dare him to flirt with Ryan's. Speaking in 2015, 
Wright said, we didn't dance or go to the store, the white folks said that. They said that he had pictures of this white girl, but there were no pictures, first of all. Second of all, they never talked to me. Told about the never interview with the FBI report completing in 2006 when was that Jones recounted his 1955 statements prior to his death and apologized to Mamie Till Mobley, who was Emmett's mother. According to some versions, including comments from some of the kids standing outside the door, Emmett may have wolf whistled at Brian. Till's cousin Simone was with him at the source. Say said Till whistled at Brian saying, I think he wanted to get a laugh out of us or something. He was always a joke around type of person and it was hard to tell when he was very serious. His cousin also stated that following the whistle he became immediately alarmed, saying, Well, it scared us half to death and you know we were almost in shock. <sighs> dang, dang, dang. During the murder trial, Brian testified that Emmett grabbed her hand while she was sticking candy and said, How about a date, baby? The damn bitch, damn bitch. You know, um, there's a bad place when people lie about people and that boy. That little boy shouldn't have been more. They failed the system, they failed that little boy. They failed him. He just wanted to go on vacation with his cousins and his family. That's all. That's all he wanted to do. But yet you go and lie on this boy. I mean, damn well he ain't say shit to you. And you going to say, oh. He said, how about a date, baby? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and if you are wondering, yes, she is alive today. 86 or 89 years old, I think. I'm not sure, but she's in her early 80s. Oh boy. She said that after she freed herself from his grasp, the young man followed her to the country, so I grabbed her waist and said, What's the matter, baby? Can't you take it? Brian said she freed herself until said, You need be afraid of me, baby. And I said, I've been with a white woman before. Um, Roy, I mean, not Roy, um, Brian also alleged that one of Till's companions came to the store, rammed him by the arm, and allowed him to leave. According to a story historian, Timothy Tyson, Brian admitted to him in a 2008 interview, that her testimony during the trial that Till had made verbal and physical advances was false. Brian had testified. That Emmett grabbed her waist and uttered obscenities, but later told Tyson that part not that part. See, hey, hey, that part's not true. As for as for the rest of what happened, the seventeen-year-old stated she could not remember. Bitch, I, I'm not calling you a bitch. I just wow. She is as quoted by saying nothing that that boy did ever could justify what happened to him. However, the tape recordings that Tyson made of the interviews with Brian do not contain her saying those things. In addition, the woman with Brian at the interviews, her dad and Marsha Brian said that Brian never told her that. Oh, this is just. When Roy Bryant was informed of what had happened, what had happened earlier that day, earlier in the day, 
He aggressively questioned several young black men who entered the store. That evening, he, with a black man named J.W. Washington, approached a black teenager walking along a road. Brian ordered Washington to seize the boy, put him in the back of a pickup truck, and took him to be identified by a companion of Caroline's who had witnessed the episode with Till. Friends of parents vouched for the boy in Brian's store, and Caroline's companion denied that the boy Brian and Washington seized was the one who had accosted her. Somehow, Bryant learned that the boy in the incident was from Chicago and was slain in most right, sing with most right. Several witnesses overheard Bryant and his 36-year-old half-brother John William Milam discussing taking Till from his house. In the early morning, I was between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. on August 28, 1955, Bryant and Milam drove to Mosrite's house. He, they arrived with a pistol and a flashlight. Um, Brian asked Wright if he had three boys in the from Chicago. Emmy was sharing a boat with another cousin. There were eight people in a small two-bedroom cabin. Malam asked Wright to take them to the nigger who did the talking. Taylor's great aunt offered the men money, but Malam refused as he rushed Emmons to put on his clothes. Was right and found the man that Till was from up north and didn't know any better. Milan reportedly then asked, How old are you, preacher? So, where she right responded, 64. Milan friend that if Wright told anybody he would live to see, told anybody he would live to see 65. The man marched Taylor out of the truck. Wright said he heard them ask someone in the car if this was the boy and heard someone say yes. When asked if the voice was that of a man or woman, Wright said it seemed like it was a lighter voice than a man's. In 1956, interview with a local magazine in which he confessed to the killing, Brian and Milam said they would have brought Till the sword in order to have Caroline and Edna fine, but stated they did not do so because they said Till admitted to being the one who attacked her. They tied up Emmett in the back of a green pickup truck and drove toward Money, Mississippi. According to some witnesses, they took Till back to Brian's groceries and recruited two black men. The men drew a box to a barn and drew their pistol whips him on the way. Oh, sorry. This, this story is so sad. Oh, they pistol whipped him on the way and was only down to say blood conscious. <laughs> Willie Wee was 18 years old at the time and said the truck passing by. We recall seeing two white men in the front and two black men in the back. Some have speculated that the two black men went from the lawn and were forced to help with the beating, although they later denied being present. Only God and Wapping. When they reached that while they were walking up, he was the beating and crying from the barn. He told a neighbor and they both walked up the back to a road well to a road up the road to a water well near their barn where where they approached where they were approached by Malam. Malam asked if they heard anything we responded no. Others passed by the shit and giving a local neighbor also spotted two tight lead wire collins at the back of the barn washing blood off the truck and noticed Emmett's food. Milam explained he had killed the day and it was wrong time. This Some have claimed that Emmett was shot and tossed over the Black Bayou Bridge in Mississippi near the Tallahassee River. The group drew back to Roy Brown's house in Money where they were probably burned.
Moses rides still on his front porch for 20 minutes, waiting for Emmett to return. He did not go back to bed. He and another man went into money. God got sleeping and drove around trying to find, find Emmett. Unsuccessful, they returned home by 8 a.m. After hearing from Wright that he would not call the police because he paid for his life, Curtis Jones placed a call to the Netfall County Sheriff and according to his mother in Chicago, wait, and his wife, it was the summer where contact with the sheriff. Their funeral, at MSO's funeral, his mother laid out his multiated and disfigured body. She made sure that this is what happened to my son and I don't want it to happen to any black person. This is so sad. Oh, God. This is a quote from J.W. Milam, who killed Emmett Till. He said, and I quote, What else could I do? He thought he was as good as any white man. If you're wondering what happens to them, Milan died of spinal cancer on December 30th, 1980, at the age of 61. And Roy Bryant also died of cancer on September 1st, 1940, 1994. So I guess Conrad's away. Hope you guys enjoyed this video. Make sure you share this podcast to people. Um, also, um, this is will be my last episode of 2020 until January of 2021. So I hope you guys enjoyed this video. Follow my Instagram, my cancer and my mom TV page. Love you guys. Stay safe by my social distance and stay positive but test negative.